Father, in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated just, um, yeah. Amen. It's, it's, it's a great pleasure to stand before you guys this afternoon um, to share the word of God with you all. Um, a lot of God has been saying to me this week, and by the way, if you're in your last week, I'll ask you a question after I'm done speaking, but a lot of the Holy Spirit has been saying to me this week, and our, our, our theme or topic for today is the equations. The equations, meaning, you know, we have some very wonderful topics here. Anthropos, equations, you know, passions, and people be wondering, like, you know, what what do you want to bring forth from the word? But well, I, I believe if you have been consistent with the word from, from the first week in January up till now, you know that we have taken one text, James chapter 5, verse 17, saying Elijah was a man, you know, of like passions just as we, and he prayed. Amen. So we have taken a flow from the first week, speaking about Elijah, talking about his trajectory and talking about how that God used him, you know, from the very onset without having to make any reference to where he was coming from and how that. In the journey of faith, every single person's faith walk will be that way. However, will take you from where you are, from where you are, and from the place you derive your source and existence from, to a place where only He can lead you. Hallelujah. And we, we, we spoke for that to say that, you know, He was a man, just one man. And now that God can make the most of every man, the moment you surrender yourself, He is able to make the most of your life. Sometimes you think He needs a nation to take over the world, but many times He needs one man. The Bible says in the book of Acts 17, 26, it says, and out of one man, God made all the families of the earth. So when God wanted to create man to more, you know, to be to full, to be filled, you know, in the earth, He created one man. Hallelujah! He wouldn't. He didn't. He had the part to create one billion men at one time. But now it's seven point something billion people who all came from one man. Hallelujah! And when He needed one man to exercise dominion over the earth, He created still one man. It's the same story. When He needed someone to live with the Jews all the way from Egypt, He used one man, Moses. Yeah. When he needed someone to take them into the promised land, he used one man, Joshua, hallelujah. When he needed someone to, you know, so there is always a consistency in, in terms of dealings of God. He makes use of the available vessel. Ezekiel 23, 22, verse 30, it says, I sought for a man who will stand in the gap and who will cover the, you know, the edge. You know, but I found none. But that will not be a portion of experience in this day and time because by God's grace, I'm one man, hallelujah. So I say to God every time, if you would have use of any man, even if you have given me something to do already, no man is available, give me. Because I know that with every command God gives, there is a, there is a grace there to accomplish the instructions of God. So we have seen that last week we dealt with passions, thankfully, but we gave a very wonderful word last week speaking about our passions. And how that although Elijah was a man of like passions as we are, he was able to bridle very much his passions, make them consistent with the will of God. So he did things in the he made sure to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. He made sure to do things in the flow of the Spirit. He didn't, you know, he was a man who, who prayed earnestly. And for many of you who made your prayer investment this week, you know that praying earnestly is praying earnestly. It's not the same thing as flip and prayer. So he was the one who was able to bridle his passions, bridle his lust, bridle his desires, and bridle everything just to make sure to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. He didn't speak until the Holy Spirit said to speak. He was such a was able to bridle his tongue bridled his appetite, just literally bridled all the passions that made them conformity with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And now this week we're dealing with equations. So every single thing we have said about Elijah, we have just been of no moment or any sense to us whatsoever if one thing didn't happen. You know what? So just imagine James chapter 5 to 17, Elijah was a man of light passions just as we Just imagine that was the only thing. James 5 17 say it wouldn't even be there because there's, there's nothing of importance to us if he was just like us. But there was an addition, and hallelujah. hallelujah. And that's the equation I want to focus on today. Hallelujah. hallelujah. See, every single person was designed insufficient by God. On your own, you can do nothing. Hallelujah. On our own, we can do nothing. See, Man was designed insufficient in himself and, and cannot produce any result except the abiding source. And the source of life and the source of everything is God. Hallelujah. So, what we have to do by virtue of this knowledge is to join ourselves to God, who is everything, to produce results. Hallelujah. So the Bible says something, you know, that we, we on our own, we on our own cannot do anything good. Cannot even do anything. 
Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, he says, In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Meaning, your flesh cannot produce any result that is of any good. And the Bible says, Jesus speaking, he says, For without me you can do nothing. Hallelujah. John chapter 15. So, what does that tell us? To produce any result that is of any moment, you have to hide yourself or be joined to the person who is something. So let's think about it in mathematical sense. Um, how many of you guys have any inclination for maths? Praise God. So, is zero on its own multiplied by zero is zero. Zero multiplied by zero on its own can never produce any. Hallelujah. But just imagine something. Imagine and you know, just imagine one billion. Yeah, plus zero. What does that become? Yeah. One billion plus zero becomes. Just look at, look at, think about this. No, one billion. Just write one billion here and add zero to the end of one billion. No, you know, not plus. Just add. Just like put zero by the side of one billion. I think I may need a board for that. Ten billion. Yeah. So you see that the zero has now made some sense just because it was added to. Hallelujah. So our lives are as irrelevant as a zero, but the moment we are added to the person who is God, in whom dwells all sufficiency, we now have all sufficiency because he has all sufficiency. So that's the equation. That's one equation. Hallelujah. Do you understand that? Yes. So the Bible says, John 15, Jesus speaking, it says, without me, you can do nothing. He says in verse 5, it says, I am the vine and the other branches. He that abided in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Hallelujah. Amen. If you abide in God and Him in you, you would bring forth much fruit. But without Him, we can do nothing. So if we understand that on our own we can do nothing and that we are very insufficient in and of ourselves, what that will bring to mind is that at every single point in time you want to be aligned with Him who is everything. Uh, do we understand that? Meaning that you know that James was saying in the book of James chapter 4, he says, you, you say to yourself, Today we are going to go into this city and do that business and do this. What are you? Who are you? You are just a mix. You are here today and tomorrow you are gone. And that's it if God wills. Because you know, apart from if God wills, you can do nothing. So it's only wisdom and it's only befitting for us, understanding this, to add ourselves to Him, who is everything, to produce much results by Him. Don't be deceived. People may be doing things, but in God's sight, it is nothing. Remember two weeks ago we spoke about Abraham. How that although he had a son called Ishmael from another lady, but when God was to speak to him in Genesis 22, he says, bring your son, your only son. So in, in God's sight, the other one was not reckoned. Hallelujah. So I know people can go on a frolic of their own and perform a lot of activities, but if it is not in the person of God, in God's reckoning, it is nothing. 1 Corinthians 3 was speaking, Paul says, it says, each man's work will be tested by fire. The day will reveal the quality of each man's work. People were doing things, people are doing things, but one, man, one man's work will be burnt to the ground. The other one's work will last because he built properly on the foundation called Christ. So it means if you lay anything outside the foundation called Christ, you have laid nothing. Hallelujah. I just want us to really understand this thing. That's here. It's not enough to just be doing activities or to be doing some things. And the funny thing is, people can heal you. I'm sure when Abraham birthed Ishmael, all the servants came to, you know, Dabale for him, his friends came and healed him. But in God's sight, he had done nothing. So it's not enough that people are healing you and you think to be right before men. Are you right before God? Hallelujah. Because it's God who puts worth on each man's work. It is God who ascribes worth to each man's work. So, in our equation, we are looking at how, how does heaven consider our actions? How, in what regard does heaven esteem the things that we do? And we already understand very simply that anything done outside Christ is nothing. First Corinthians 3, can we just read? Hallelujah. Says for no man by by the grace God has given me, I lay the foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. 
but no one can lay any other foundation apart from that which is laid in Christ Jesus. It means if Christ is the foundation, anything that you must do, you must do on Him. Meaning, if I come and build a very magnificent building here, and this is Christ being the foundation here, my magnificent building is nothing, is inconsequential because I do not lay my foundation or my building on Christ. Hallelujah. You know that song that says, um, On Christ the solid rock I stand, O Lord the ground is sinking sand. Each man's work be tested. 
And I pray that the Holy Spirit will help us in the name of Jesus. So to produce fruit of anything of reckon, we ought to guard ourselves with God because without Him we can't do anything. You know, just like Mars, zero left to learn on is only zero. Multiply by zero, zero. But when you put it at the back, you just add it, just imagine all the other numbers in this of zero, then it makes a lot of sense. Hallelujah. And then you can, you, you, can, you can use that digit to do a whole lot. You can add, you can subtract, you can you know, divide and do a whole lot of stuff. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, the thing is, Elijah knew that on his own, he was nothing. He was just a man as much as every single one of us here is. But he knew that if he adds himself to God, he becomes something of great importance. There were definitely a lot of men in Israel at the time. But how many of them do we know that lived in the day of Elijah? Think about it. How many men you know? How many men can you mention that lived in the day of Elijah? Weren't those men doing something? They were sleeping, they were waking up, they were doing things. But how come their life, as important as it seemed to them, is not important to us now? Because in the divine scheme of things, you see, the thing is, all of the ground is sinking sand. And the moment they are gone, everything about them dies with them. But the thing is, when you build on eternity, it lives till eternity. And do you understand? And when Elijah, when, when, when the transfiguration was to happen, one of the people who was summoned together with Moses was Elijah. Because he had acted in eternity. And when things were to affect our eternal destinies, he was summoned as well. See, let's live activities and let's have on eternity. You know, we, I mean, someone said, I can't come today. I have hope. Praise the Lord for you. Hallelujah. We celebrate you. you keep on doing. There are people who have gone on that line before you. There are people who will still come on that line after you. You will be of no moment to us or the people who will come after you because there was nothing to be different. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. To live a life of any moment, we must act on eternity. We must live in eternity. This life will soon be passing. Everything which it will pass, only the things done for Christ will last. It says there will be a second shaking. I will shake again the heavens and the earth. The things that can be moved will fade away. They will fall. The things that cannot be moved will stay. They will remain. Hallelujah. So when there is a shaking, what, what things will fall? What things will stay? You must make sure that your words remain. But for your works to remain, you must be work sanctioned by God, given the approval and given the seal of heaven. I pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to start, you know, scrutinizing our actions and scrutinizing the things that we do. And help us to stay focused and stay put on Him and make sure in our hearts that we do the things that He wants us to do. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, the moment you add God to your life, not only that your, your, your words are believed, but even in this life, your life becomes better off. I want to believe that, though Elijah was not seeking for popularity, but he became the most popular man in Israel. Hallelujah. He became, everyone knew about him. Why is it not right now? You have not heard the one man called Elijah. One man called Elijah. Say, who is that? We have not, we have, the king had to know about Elijah. They sent emissaries to different, they said, you know, when Obadiah was speaking, he said, there is no kingdom in this world that the king cannot send men to battle for you. But in every kingdom, they say, you are not dead. He became so popular. So when, when the emissaries go to, they say, we are looking for a man called Elijah. They say, who is Elijah? They say, you don't know about that man. So although he was not looking for fame, although he was not looking for popularity, those things came to him. It didn't bother him. Remember, we spoke two weeks ago, because he was dead to them. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Although Elijah was not looking for provision or food or constant supply. But because he was in the will of God, provision was always made for him. You understand? So in this life, the most important thing any man can do for himself is to follow God. Pursue God. In keeping in step with him, provision is made. Every single thing that you want or that you think about, that other people are chasing after, will come to him easily. In Elijah's time, when people who were clamoring for the most popular city in town. They wanted to become the most renowned. Many of them may have become, you know, gone into things. Many of them would have done things just to make sure they were men of reckoning. But how much do we reckon them? Hallelujah. It's simple, but that's how life is. 
On the day Reinhard Bonke died, a lot of people died on that same day. Probably in that same time. But how many of them do we know? How many of them do we remember? We can't even give a spread to any of them because there was nothing that they did that was of any tangibility for any of us. Some of them may have been richer than him. Some of them may have had more friends. But one man had more impact. And before God, it was something. But I'm anywhere. Hallelujah. I pray the Holy Spirit helps us to understand these things. You see, God was telling me, I said, it's not about the number of people that come for this meeting, this particular meeting. He's communicating certain things. Because God did not need to have an encounter with a lot of people. Just Paul on the road to them, on the road to Damascus, you know. That was enough. So if the word hits a person and there is a turning point in your mind, in your life, that's enough for God. You begin to use your mind that you know that you want it for. There was once someone who existed and he did for God in his life, in his time. Hallelujah. Beyond that, like I mentioned, just the mere addition of Christ to any life produces great results. So this was Peter on his own, in his boat. No one knew him. He was just one of the other fishermen. Told all night, caught nothing. All right. Nothing, really. He, brothers, he, no, he was frustrated. How many of you guys have gone on a fish um, to, to catch fish before? I'm sure we have. It's probably, you know, with the book and all that for fun, nothing, nothing serious. Go to the men who do and cast the net into. It takes a lot of strength. I've never done it before, but I see the energy. Hallelujah. So he did that all night. For all night in, 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 in that context, probably maybe 12 hours or so, he was tired, got nothing. He got nothing. I mean, that was, I mean, he probably started cursing. I don't know why. He was just probably frustrated. And Jesus comes to him and gets into his boat. And after Jesus is evangelizing boy, he says to him to cast his net into the other side. And he caught a great number of fishes. <coughs> what was the difference? The equation changed. Jesus came into the boat. Do you understand? The equation changed simply because one factor was added to Peter's life, Jesus. Peter had tried all the tactics of fishing. Probably tried calling some fish in the own little dialect. Probably tried putting baits. Probably tried doing things and nothing happened because, you see, that story is not just a story. It's the life of every man without Christ. You would, you would, you would, you would do things, sisters and brothers. You would, you would throw your net into the deep, but you will catch nothing. You will catch nothing you can give to anyone. You would toil. You will, people will see you say, ah, this man has been walking ever since. Great man. <coughs> but in reality, you have done nothing. It is only upon when Jesus comes into your boat that you can catch God, you know, it was after that that Jesus said, follow me, I made you fish. He was telling him the parable. About eight weeks ago, we did a message called Science, and I really hope everyone listens to it. It's pretty And in Science, we're saying how that God uses the very basic things of life to teach us or to tell us very great things. And Peter's story is one sign of what every man's life is like without God, and how every man's life becomes with God. Remember, the touch was so great, he had to call people from the other boat to come and help him carry on because of how great the touch was. The difference simply was Jesus stepped into the boat. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The admonition here really is that to cure our insufficiencies, to cure because in our flesh there are so many insufficiencies, there are things we cannot do. Literally, we can do nothing or very little to God. But to cure this insufficiency, the only thing we have to do, the only admonition is to add Christ to our life. Hallelujah. And then in that moment, we'll make a very net breaking catch. But it's not only enough to have Christ in your life, you must make the most of His presence with you. Hallelujah. We must make the most of His life and His presence because we must make the most of it. We must have it. The thing is, there are quite a number of believers, and I want to believe almost every single person here is a Christian. But there are different or varying levels of results our lives admit, depending on the use we have made of God. Hallelujah. There is a very short message I heard, um, what would you do with the Holy Spirit? And gave examples of what men and people have done 
simply because they had the Holy Spirit with them. And the question to us was, what would you do with the Holy Spirit? Have you, have you so much economized the Holy Spirit to only grant you favor with your boss? Every morning you pray that God, before my book, you have so much relegated the functionality of the Holy Spirit to only your boss, or your office, or your business. Maximizing the same Holy Spirit that you and I have is the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had and was able to do mighty wonders. It's still the same Holy Spirit that great men of old and of renown had, and it's still the same Holy Spirit that men who are moving and shaking things in this day and in this time had. The difference is what you are able to do with the Holy Spirit. But you see, He is unexpressive. He is the fullness of Him that fills everything in every way. He can do all things. But what would you do with Him is the question. Hallelujah. What would you make of His presence with you? What would you make of His indwelling in you? What would you do with the Holy Spirit? We must learn to maximize the presence and the operations of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We must learn to maximize this fully. The thing is, Elijah's story would have been very wonderful if he did not make the most of the Holy Spirit in realm with him. After all, there were other prophets like him who had the Spirit upon them. But the difference with Elijah, or between Elijah and them all, is that Elijah made the most of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. What did he do? He prayed. <coughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There were other prophets, other prophets. In fact, Obadiah had hidden 15, this 10, 15, that 10. Those ones were hiding. While one man was shaking the terrain of Israel. When Ahab saw him, he says, Is it you that trouble is you know, that the trouble of Israel? Because other prophets were hiding. He was doing things. He was maximizing the functionality of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit attends to your very desires. If you want to grant fuel before your boss, he would. But is that all you use it for? Is that all the Holy Spirit came for? Just for your boss. So morning, afternoon, and evening, I just pray, God, I'm going to the office today. Favor me. Everything starts and ends with you. Meaning everything that we'll ever say about your life is you. Nothing more. Do you understand that? Meaning that when anybody is to write about your life, see, she was favored, blessed, and boss never had a problem with her. She was good in the office. That's all that we can say about your life. What would you do with the presence of the Holy Spirit? Elijah made sure to make a difference. Out of the number of prophets that were there, he decided to make the most of the presence and the function of the Holy Spirit in him and with him. And we pray that the Holy Spirit, God gives us grace to see that he can do way more for us than he's already doing with us. It's him that works in us, with us, through us, for us. It's him. Hallelujah. We can make the most of the Holy Spirit when we stay in the place of prayer. Just not praying because you have a thing or an agenda you have come to Him with. Or praying because you want to know His will. Praying because you want to understand what pleases Him. Praying because you want to keep in step with Him. Then we can make the most of Him. Then you will move when He says to move. Then you will stay when He says to stay. Then you will speak when He says to speak. Then you will act when He says to act. Because you are in step with the Holy Spirit, praying to Him. See, the kind of prayer I mean, I like. It's not the kind of prayer that you go to God with petitions already in your heart. I want this. I want this. I want this. The kind of prayer I like is, God, what do you want? That is the one. So let us partner with you. Let us know what you want and let us begin to do it. Because in partnering with God, provision is made. So the thing you are going to ask God for money. He said, just partner with me. In this journey, I will make provision. I will make grace to abound for you. Hallelujah. Matthew 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Every other thing will be added. But your seeking is first. The word in the Greek there, Matthew, is primal. The primal word, your seeking, the, the thing that constitutes your seeking <laughs> is the kingdom. So it's not just first and secondly. So it's, that's like the only thing. So the word is primal. The other word for the first time is primal. Meaning that is the basis of your seeking. The kingdom. So, it means even when you have a desire to get money, the money is not for you. You are seeking, how can I expand the kingdom? 
and you see that okay, I need resources. So you now go to petition God for resources for the kingdom, meaning that the basis for petitioning for asking him for resources is not for you but for the kingdom. James says you ask and you do not receive because you ask to spend what you get on your lost. Hallelujah. But if, however, our request is predicated upon a desire to expand the frontiers of the kingdom of heaven, then you are sure that you will receive because you have not asked for your own loss, but you have asked for the benefit of the kingdom and for the expansion of the kingdom of heaven. When Solomon came before God to ask a request or to make a request before God, he didn't ask for things that would benefit him personally. He did of his enemies, riches, prosperity, long life, those were things that would benefit the person of Solomon. He said, God, give me wisdom to govern your people. It means the concern for Solomon was not about himself, but was about the people God gave him. It was about the people of God. When we make requests before God, when we go to Him, what is the basis of our seeking Him? <coughs> Personally, I am not impressed in 10 hours of praying. And in your 10 hours of praying, you use 9 hours to ask from Him. Things that will concern you, you, yourself, which we are not married, most of us here, don't think anyone yet. And um, so we have not been asking for fees, for fees, but I'm telling you, uh, Bishop doesn't have to ask for fees. Any school he wants to send anybody to, he can send them because this was a man who from infancy had sought the kingdom. Paul was telling Timothy, and you have known from infants the holy scriptures that are able to make you wise. When we know the word, we are able to draw wisdom, we are able to draw strength. We are able to draw ability. We are able to draw grace. We are able to draw sufficiency because we have known the word. Hallelujah. And the word will give us wisdom. Now, I was saying to us that we are able to maximize the presence of the Holy Spirit simply because we stay in the place of prayer. And in the, in the place of prayer, we are able to know what his will is. Ephesians 5 verse 10 says something. It says, and find out what pleases the Lord. So it's not enough to say, Lord, anything you say I should do, I will do. But do you know what God wants you to do? Do you know what will please him? Verse 17 says, and do not be foolish. Find out what the will of the Lord is. Hallelujah. So for every single one of us seated here, you can actually find out in the place of prayer what the will of the Lord is. The question you would have asked before I said that was, how do you find out in the place of prayer? In waiting. In waiting. You stay, you wait. This week we say to us, every single person should spend at least one hour praying in a day. I'm not interested in that you spend one hour. What I'm interested in is what is the result of your one hour. I want to see it. What did your one hour produce? We have seen what Elijah's one hour produced. It was not the only one that was praying. Remember, that was Israel. They were very religious. We were praying at least three times, at the very least three times daily. But we see what their what you know Elijah's praying produced. The question is, what does our praying, what does our request, what does our petition produce? It is not enough to pray religiously. It's not enough to just pray for the sake of praying. What does your prayer produce? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. When you start asking yourself this question, then you will not pray religiously. Then you will not just start up, okay, today I've accomplished my prayer task. One hour I have prayed, I'm going. You would ask yourself, but what have I gotten in this place of prayer? If I've not gotten anything, why am I going? Hallelujah. If I go to seek God concerning a particular subject matter, and I've not gotten any answer, where am I going to? Or do I have any other God apart from you? Or maybe I have plans to visit an Asian more. It's because people are impatient. They don't understand prayer culture. That's why many believers go helter-skelter. And that's why they don't even receive anything from God. Because the Bible says a man who actually not doubt. Because let him who doubt not think he'll receive anything from God. To ask God, you must be sure that God can supply the thing you're asking. Because he can supply it. Hallelujah. He can. He can. He would. So it's not enough to just come and say you spend one hour. I mean, I've heard a lot of believers say a lot of things and it disturbs me. I've been praying for days. I've been praying. What is the result of your prayer? Prayer is not just an action. It's not an action. For me to know that you have been praying, I must see the result. So my own business is not that you pray. It is where is the effectiveness of the prayer that you rendered before God. Hallelujah. Daniel went to pray about a particular matter. 
He was praying, got no result. He did it, no. Stayed there 21 days until the answer he was seeking from God came. So I see no reason why anybody is rushing to leave the place of prayer. Engage God there. That is when you make the most of Him. Daniel would have been of no moment to us if he was not. He was, was he the only captive from Judah? Was he the only one that was brought in from Judah? But why is it life of reference to us? Because he prayed. He was someone who knew how to engage God effectively in the place of prayer. He knew very well how to stay. So I'm, I'm saying it, I'm emphasizing this because I really want you guys to hear and I feel like this word is really for someone. Don't be in a hurry to leave. Where are you going to? Really, if you have a solution elsewhere, then maybe this God is not your God. That means you don't know Him yet. But if you know Him, you know that all your answer, every single thing is in Him. So you must focus and stay on Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This up, but I, I, I just really pray God for wisdom and understanding for everyone who is listening. Stay, pray, engage God. You can come out and look like me, but first stay and pray. Uh-huh. So that when you come out, you are not just another person, you are not just you know someone who just you are someone who is able who carries weight in, in the scheme of things. Hallelujah. Where on campus back some years ago, many of us had given ourselves very well with prayer. Some people wanted to do other things. But when we had drawn wisdom from heaven, from in the place of prayer, God in His own grace announced us. And so there was this time, um, one morning, we got in instituting the culture of prayer among students. Uh, and so there was this one time this morning we were praying and the power of God was strong in the place and people began to, you know, fall under the power of God and to people with unclean spirit as well began to manifest under that power. And so there was this particular sister, all people were trying and trying and trying to exercise and cast out devils. Unfortunately, they were not gaining very much ground. They had tried, done all the strategies they have known, but they were not gaining much ground. Their disciples tried, they couldn't do it. They had to tell them what they throw down. These guys, but they were trying, they were making efforts. You know. It was very funny because at some point, the demon was there mocking them. I had a man at that time. Even if you mock you, you wouldn't be free. I'm serious. If the demon starts mocking you, then you know that you knew yourself, you need prayer. That you need to go and fortify yourself in so that you will receive no such embarrassment again. Because it was public, public, uh, made public show of them like uh, seven sons of Skepa. So they, they called me and I said they should, they should bring the... You know, it's even right now I'm realizing that when, when, when the, um, the father of the boy who was, um, you know, possessed with the devils met Jesus, he didn't go and meet them, he said, bring the boy to me. So it's even right now I'm realizing that what I did was actually in, in line with scripture. So I told them, bring the girl to me. And the girl, they were coming with her jubilant in their heart that, all right, the solution has finally. Why did they believe that with me though? Because there is a consistency. You can't bring demon to me and demon, what are you still looking for there? I don't even know the same option. And so they were, they brought, and the moment the girl saw me, she fled and they became very happy. Now finally, you have seen someone you are running away from. But I said to them afterwards, I said, this was done for you guys. I was while leaving school. I said, this was done for you guys to know. Because you would think that it is just the same thing to just come out and be doing like Superman. You must stay in the place of prayer, guys. You must stay. You, because before that happened, I had seen it. So I was not unaware. I had seen it. I had ensured I didn't need any extra because my preparation was sufficient for that event. Hallelujah. From that point on, I want to believe people say with him. Ah, they don't want to. You, if you have been embarrassed, then you will know what I mean. Hallelujah. But I mean, for people who say don't believe in the supernatural, but that's that's the problem. This is not your place. This is I mean, this gathering because me and I believe 
Everybody here believes very much in the supernatural because nothing, everything that was made was made from things of sin. So if you if you have doubts in that regard, that, I mean, don't worry. The devil will not even make any attempt to rescue you from that ignorance because in that ignorance he is well pleased. Then he can deal with you and you keep on going to the hospital because and the hospital will not find a solution for you, but they'll be taking your money okay, very much. A spiritual problem cannot be handled physically. Uh, if you are from the spirit, that is the realm you have to suffer from. Try every physical means or it would be you see, I'm sure the kings in Israel decided to try physical means to ameliorate the problem that was created spiritually for them under Elijah. But no physical solution can solve the spiritual problem. We must engage God in prayer. Hallelujah. We must make the most of the Holy Spirit. We must add Christ to our equation, but also in adding Him to the equations of our life, we must make the most of Him. Now, let me say something to us. <coughs> you know when, um, how many of you guys take Costa here? I want to show hands. Okay, okay, good. If you don't take Costa here, let me see your hands. If you don't take Costa Okay. Among the three of you who don't take custard, how many of you don't know how to make custard? You don't know. Alright. Okay, so we'll teach you how to make custard. Alright. I don't know if people in the kitchen, but probably next week they will have custard made for you guys. You just take custard. Yeah. So imagine a bowl of water. <coughs> just imagine a bowl. Just imagine one make custard right now. A bowl of water, you put the powder in it. And then you put water and then you stir it. If you put too much water, then you just make water again. But you stir, you know, there's some level of... I tried one time, I made like four plates, four bowls. We just... just <laughs> making water consistently. Yeah. Hallelujah. But that's what I'm going to. So just imagine that plate of custard. And imagine putting the powder in it and putting some water in it and stirring. That enough will not produce custard, yeah? Something is needed. What? What water? Yeah. Heat. So now, imagine your kettle plugged into the wall. Turn it on, and after a while, turn, and then produces custard. Yeah. Every single person in life will. I'm, I'm doing a jump right now because of time. But however, um, if you want to get the full message, sit down with me at the end of the meeting and talk. But yeah. So people would face different trials, temptations, problems. Things will come our way. Yeah. It would always come. If it didn't come today, probably tomorrow. It is. It is. So far, you are in this world. What did Jesus say? You have tribulations, trials. James says, "Count it all joy whenever you face diverse trials." Not even just face this. You will face diverse, different kinds, diverse trials and temptations. But you will count it all joy because of the result it produces. Yeah. But how would you produce this result? Now, this is a, this is a template. Imagine making custard again. The problems and the trials are like the custard powder. Thank you. That person who said that is spiritual. Who said that? Praise uh, The problems and and the challenges are like the custard powder. Because you know that just just imagine custard powder everywhere. It just makes everything look so disorganized. Guys, just imagine custard powder in your face. Or I mean, just, it's crazy. But you can put the custard powder to good use. Now, the spirit in you, or your spirit, is like a water. The first cold water you put to stir it. Think about that. There is water in you now. God is the source of everything. He's the equation you must be plugged to. Imagine that being electricity. Just imagine that. You are the kettle holding all these things in it. Imagine, just think about this right now as a progressive thought. But you see, just the mere fact that you are connected to the electricity doesn't make the custard start boiling or forming into what you want. What you have to do, turn it on. Hallelujah. Turning it on starts producing heat. Heat then forms what? Custard. So every situation that comes to your life, if it comes much, God wants to make plenty of custard. But many times people are always come. No, really. God will not let you be tempted beyond that which you can bear. And for every extreme level of temptation that comes to you, shows that you have the capacity to bear that Abby. So anytime you see yourself rising in terms of temptations, you know that you're also rising in terms of the spirit as well. 
for baby believers, baby temptations will come. For mature believers, mature temptations will come. So if you are experiencing mature temptations, know that God knows within you there is capacity to solve this issue. <coughs> and you see, this will turn for your good or for your glory. That's what the apostle said. He says, this, knowing this, that this will turn for our glory. First James, you know, speaking in James 1, says that it produces. Can we just see James 1? Just tell me, oh joy, whenever you face diverse trials and temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Not lacking what anything, meaning that the things you want to receive from God are greatly tied to this process. Have you thought about it in that way? The things that you, you want to receive from heaven is greatly tied to this process of trials and temptations that will develop for you perseverance. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 says, Having done the will of God, you have need of what? Patience. Because that's like the last bus stop before the materialization of things. So Mary asked Jesus, she made a request. Remember Matthew 7, verse 7? Ask and you shall receive. But from the moment you ask to the point you receive what you get, there is one pause. That's called patience. Hallelujah. So was it immediately Mary asked that water came, that wine came? No. Patience. Mary had to wait. Trials and temptations help you develop perseverance. Patience and other scripture renders. And this makes you mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, back to our story. So you are plugged in. Your life remains the same if you are only plugged in, if you do not turn on the switch. What is turning on this switch? Prayer. It converts the energy that is in the source of light, electricity, God in this sense, to something that can solve the problems that you have in your own world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, I see no reason, and, and you know how custard can vary in its forms as well. Some can be very watery depending on the amount of heat that goes into it, and some can be very depending also on the heat. We can see the results of the product of people's lives based on how much time they are invested in prayer. Don't be in a hurry to turn off the switch. If the water has not burst, I turn it off for. So you have bought it for a few minutes. The same way some people say, I pray for us. If you have not received, the thing you went there to pray. Why are you, what, where are you going to? Or do you think some other means, can you, would you put the thing in the fridge like that, make it, it's, it's the same way to think that by some, by some, the, by the virtue of some other means, you can produce a result to solve the problems in your life outside the person of Christ. What will happen is that you produce more problems, the same way I produce more bowls of water. People who are running helter skelter will produce more problems for their lives. Just stay with God. Stay. Stay. Hallelujah. Stay. Amen. 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 And the Lord will help us. Amen. Our lives, in our lives, most people, you see, and their stories, the men of old knew this. They knew that any problem that has come to them is God telling them that I want to use this problem to produce good and glory for you. Hallelujah. So Daniel knew. Daniel chapter 2. The king had a dream, very funny king, Nebuchadnezzar. And he said he's not going to tell the wise men or the sorcerers or the enchanters the dream. But they should tell him the dream and give him the interpretation thereof. A lot of them said there's no man in this whole kingdom that can do this. And the king told Ariel, kill all of them. What's the point of having wise men and enchanters when simple problem they cannot solve? And Daniel said to Ariel, why is the king so hasty? Tell him to wait. What did Daniel do? Went to pray. Hallelujah. He knew that that situation was custard powder for him. Just the wait, we have to turn this to custard. And custard is good. People don't drink custard. You are you. It's very sweet. I recommend it. Hallelujah. Especially probably when you have finished your fast. Don't go and go for the yam. Amen. Because that is good, anyways. So Daniel knew that that situation was to produce virtue and good for him. Yeah. So he told he told Eric to say to the king not to be too hasty in his judgment, but to give him a little time, and he went to make custard. That's what he went to do. 
I know they had a form of custody at the time. That was bad enough, so they had a lot of things. So he told the king to wait and he began to pray. And while he prayed, remember two weeks ago I was speaking to you guys about visions of the night, your dream. Many times God reveals a lot of things to you guys through dreams. As I'm standing here, I'm seeing like a couple of people, I'm just seeing like dreams being one of the very primary way God uses to communicate to you. So if you are such who has a lot of dreams from God and you wake up and you forget what you have dreamt, it's a very dangerous thing because the revelation in this story came to Daniel through a dream. As he slept at night, a vision came. Visions of the night, that's when he began Daniel saw the dream and saw the interpretation thereof and went to say to the king. And you know what happened after the interpretation was given? He now had to be I mean, he has waited in prayer, his pastor is not an interview. Nebuchadnezzar elevated him to become the primal figure in Babylon. He became the leader or the head of the whole province of Babylon simply because he was able to convert what seemed like a problem to solution, cost basically. And then he got the results. Daniel and the lion's den. They said to him, Daniel, you can't pray again, no. Because they tried to find out ways to stop this guy, they couldn't. They found out that the only way was to stop him from praying. Because we know that if we stop him from praying, then problems will start coming. So they said, Daniel, we have to, this is the king, the show, the prayer of the king. Daniel knew that his only solution still was prayer. He went to Daniel and verse 17, he cried to God for help. And they came and found him in a place of prayer. They thought they had, but he had solved a problem in a place of prayer. So everything that was happened afterward had already been predestined in that place of prayer. He had turned the situation that seemed, you know, that seemed like was going to consume him. He had turned it for his good, for his glory. And the king came, put him in line with them, and the very next morning came to meet him. He was rescued. The very people who were giving him problems in governance were all eaten by lions before they touched the ground of the dead. He converted his problems to inward prayer. Esther, Mordecai, all targeted by Haman to be annihilated. Mordecai was the first person to do it. Gallows were built for him already. What did he do? He said to Esther, you must wait on this issue. We need to wait on God. We cannot deal with this issue through any other means. We have to wait. And they decided to wait. And the very next thing that happened in Daniel in um, Esther chapter 6 was that the king could not sleep. And he said, what has been done for this man whom did this thing and nothing and he called the very person who was to do or who had already planned to do things against him and made him honor and because of the deliverance that the israelites faced you know in 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 in, um, in Zerzes empire they celebrated the feast now for pure because they were able to change the situation that was meant for their bad to good every single person in life will face challenges will face problems but what do we, how do we respond to this problem is it by running helter skelter, going from pillar to cross, crying, or using means of men to solve our problems? No. The only way we recognize through scripture to solve problems, to change bad things, good things, or to make us out of any situation is situation is to pray. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will help us mightily in the name of Jesus. I pray that the Holy Spirit will help us mightily in the name of Jesus. We ought to pray. We ought to pray. It's 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 an equation. Added meaning. See. We're speaking on the equations here. When you add prayer to any problem, it produces good. So whenever you see a problem, just add prayer to that equation. Hallelujah. Take prayer. Add prayer to that equation. What does that produce for you? Good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It produces pastor. Think about any time you have any bad situation, just think about it. Just tell yourself, wait, you need to just plug into the spirit. Wait. Tear ourselves in the Holy Ghost, find the flames, this fire, and then the results will change from what they were to good. Hallelujah. Amen. The Lord will help us. Amen. The Lord will give us grace to stay in the place of prayer. Don't be hasty. Don't be in a hurry to leave. I've been saying this every time, and I feel the Holy Spirit speaking to someone here. Don't be in a hurry to leave. You're not rushing anywhere. Time spent with God in prayer covers any time you will think you are losing. Hallelujah. Stay there. Stay there. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. You know this song? How can you walk when you don't know the way of the wind? 
Mazus e Gibranaza, no Shalakabadaba Shatinaza, Yana Zanana Shanana Shakiburia, Right. 